This is the Pennyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're back talking about Pennyworth Season 2, Episode 5, The Bleeding Heart. The main event is scheduled for five four-minute rounds with a minute's break between each round. We're going to use that 25-minute window to get in and out while every eye is on the ring. Because when the fight is over, every one of these exit routes will be jammed with people. Questions? Aye. Yeah. What if the fight ends early? The main event always goes to the final round. They want to sell all the beer and the pies. Mm. Can't have punters leaving early. Aye, but what if there's a, a knockout or a submission or something? The fight's a stage, Dave boy. What, you mean, like, fixed? No, no, they're not. <laughs> Are you soft? Everyone knows they're fixed. That was something of a <laughs> bent, maybe, I get that, yeah. It's human nature to cheat, but... It's... <laughs> All of them? Ah. Yes, mate. Welcome back, Governors. We're back with Pennyworth on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Season 2, Episode 5, The Bleeding Heart. Oh, Pennyworth's finally back for the second half of its second season. I'm Devilish Derek, one of your hosts of the Pennyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. Welcome back, fellow Governors. Yes, I am one of your other hosts, Mad Johnny Murphy, uh, to take one of the names of the wrestlers uh, from this show. Or in the British tradition of wrestling, I am giant pancake stacks. <laughs> yes, early early wrestling from uh, from the eighties when we started yes. watching wrestling with uh, with giant haystacks there. or Big Mommy. Yeah, might be Big Mommy, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. That was always an interesting Saturday afternoon uh-huh. on ITV. Yes, the the channel that had British wrestling. Yes, a far far cry from WWE and WWF. I soon moved on to uh, Ric Flair and Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, Yes, let's just say they were (laughs) a lot more showbiz. A little bit higher production values in the US, (laughs) but very close to what we see here in uh, in Pennyworth, though, right? uh, It seemed like a very similar type of wrestling bout that we saw, a bit more violent, actually, (laughs) in Pennyworth. Can you believe wrestling's fixed, John? Oh my goodness, that was the big revelation of this episode <laughs> of Pennyworth. Poor it, Dave Boy looked like they'd stolen all his toys. Yeah. He, was, he was absolutely destroyed by this idea that this actual sport could be fixed. You know? I know, although, in fairness, those two ladies in the wrestling ring uh, certainly came armed with an um, axe and <laughs> rolling pin to boot. Um, so yeah, yeah, they were taking no no prisoners. <laughs> As you can tell, we are delighted to be back with the, our Pettyworth podcast and with Pettyworth on uh, on Epics uh, returning at this time. What one thing that's changed since the last time uh, we were talking about Pennyworth is that it is now airing in the UK. Um, it is now airing on Scar- Stars Play. They're a couple of weeks behind on the uh, on their release of the episodes, but it is airing week to week, which is really cool. Having to uh, having our wonderful fellow listeners over this side of uh, this side of the globe uh, able to watch Pennyworth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, welcome on board, fellow governors. Uh, welcome back to the Pennyworth podcast mm-hmm. on TV Podcast Industries. Um, yeah, no, it's good to be back. Actually, I think yeah. what there's five, six episodes left remaining. If the we're not too sure whether there's nine or ten episodes in this season. Yeah, it was an odd one when the original press release came out. There were ten episodes confirmed for the season. And then it changed to eight uh, because of the COVID restrictions. They reduced it down to eight. And I think it went back up to nine. But over on IMDb, it's still showing as 10 episodes. So we'll see how it plays out uh, over the next couple of episodes. Uh, see how many episodes there are in the season. But uh, whatever they give us for this season, I'm really intrigued to see what they uh, see what what's there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, can't wait to see how they uh, finish off this second half of the season of Pennyworth. Mm-hmm. But we haven't been resting on our laurels since uh, the last episode of Pennyworth aired in 2020. Uh, we have been covering... Do- Lots and lots more stuff 
particularly WandaVision, which we just finished this week, and a really excellent show over on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Marvel show, obviously, uh, connected with comic books as well, just like Pennyworth is. Uh, we will be going on to uh, Falcon and the Winter, Winter Soldier, which starts airing from the 19th of March. So if you want to keep up to date with all the things that we cover, make sure you subscribe to the main podcast over on TV Podcast Industries. You can find us on any good or evil podcast catcher to uh, subscribe to TV Podcast Industries. You get access to all of our uh, regular podcasts. Uh, we're up to, this is episode 556 of TV Podcast Industries, so lots and lots of episodes that we have uh, for many, many shows, including Gotham and Pennyworth. So uh, hopefully you'll join us over there. Yes, and with all those podcasts, there is a great community that comes along with the podcast, uh, and we really love to get your thoughts, comments, or feedback on anything to do with any of the series uh, that we cover. But in particular for Pennyworth, um, please, uh, for the Royal Mail section of feedback for Pennyworth, you can send in your thoughts to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and we will hope to discuss them in a future episode. Yep, no feedback this episode because we're recording a little bit in advance of the air date of the show, but we hope to hear your thoughts about the episodes as they go on. Yeah, let's get on with our spoiler-filled review. Mm -hmm. So, Derek, what are some of the episode details for Episode 5, The Bleeding Heart? Well, the episode was written by Hannah Boschi. She's been a script editor on Season 1 of Pennyworth and has become an executive story editor in this season. Uh, This is the first writing credit that she has for the show. Great stuff. I love seeing that where people come up through the production or the uh, writer's room or whatever it may be to get um, more deeply involved in in the show. Absolutely. It's almost a bit like with Ben McKenzie as the actor who then went on and directed some of the episodes of Gotham. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really cool. And and Hannah has some fascinating credits over on her IMDb. She's been involved in many, many movies and TV shows that have been uh, been in the UK, but uh, but moved into the ranks in script writing, uh, which is really cool that she's she's gotten this episode. Uh, The episode was directed by John East. We've spoken about John East many times in the past. Uh, he directed episodes of, of shows like Lost in Space on Netflix, and we discussed him last season when he directed Pennyworth, season one, episode eight, Sandy Shaw. He'll also be back for another episode later on this season. Uh, that episode, Sandy Shaw, was where they had the big team up between Alfie and his boys and the Psych Sisters uh, back in back in season one. It was a really fun episode that John uh, East directed. Yeah, it was great fun, that episode mm-hmm. with the team up between uh, the, the boys and uh, the Psych Sisters. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great stuff. Great to have John Johnny's back on board for yeah. this episode. Definitely put his stamp on that particular scene in this episode that we'll talk about later on. But, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Pettyworth Season 2, Episode 5, The Bleeding Heart. Sure. As Alfie and Dave boys scramble to get the money together for their move to America, they have no other option but to run one last job for Gully. As they make their move on the local wrestling arena, the plan goes badly wrong when civilians are shot and killed by Banjo, one of the members of Gully's crew. With news of the botched job circulating in the press, Alfred's mum suspects his involvement and asks him to move out of the house. His father would be very disappointed in him. Alfie's love life is just as complicated as Gully's wife Melanie reconnects with him in the Delaney Club and once again Alfie shuns Sandra's affections. Elsewhere, the closeness between Bet and Katie develops as they must think of creative ways to hide one of Bet's former imprisoners, George the Beefeater, at the sex shop, Sykes Pain Supplies, <laughs> and Katie learns more about Bet's past. Meanwhile, tensions ratchet up at Raven Union headquarters between Harwood, increasingly dependent on medication and booze, and Francis Gaunt as he learns of her secret meeting with the English League and loses trust in his old friend. Lots to talk about in this uh, return episode, this uh, mid-season premiere, as we usually call it. Uh, This wasn't the original intention. I think they they did originally intend to have all 10 episodes air back to back. So this would have been just a one week gap from last week. But uh, lots going on, I suppose, in this episode. Uh, We're going to break it down the way we normally do into our section about Alfie and the Boys and the job this time, uh, the English League and Thomas and Raven Union and the Psych Sisters. Uh, That's the way we're going to break it down this time. I think that might work. John, what do you think? 
Sounds good to me. Excellent. Let's Excellent. kick on. Yeah, let's get into Alfie and the boys and the job. Uh, it kind of kicks off, I suppose, with Alfie uh, reiterating that he's kind of in a bit of a spot here. He's trying to get out of the UK. This has been his whole primary reason for the first half of the season is to get out of England, get himself over to America. We all know he's going to end off in Gotham. <laughs> this is the, the one thing we know about Alfie's character. I did like that he goes to Thomas Wayne to get those tickets to Gotham. Um, I don't know why, but it, it just feels really good when you have these characters from the DC Comics universe or the DC Universe, let's say. Never been in comics uh, for a lot of the characters, but having actually talking about Gotham like it's a New York City, like it's a, a really important city in the US. You know, it's he wants flights out to Gotham specifically. So kind of showing how important the city is in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's just that name drop is really mm-hmm. cool to get Gotham mentioned in, yeah. in this episode. Um, I like that it's it's um, Alfred trying to sort of get um, some some kind of foot in the door, almost like some discount or or Mm, some some um, favor from from Thomas to get to America. You know, he thinks it's only going to be two and a half thousand uh, to get the flights over, and it ends up being five thousand at least. Um, So per person, yeah, per per person, Yeah. yeah, per ticket. So. You know, there's great little moment with Thomas Wayne and Alfred. You know, you can imagine them being together in Wayne Manor back in Gotham, even mm. though, you know, the comics very rarely um, sort of focus on that. You yeah. know, it is about Bruce and and Alfred. Yeah. So I, I like these interactions with these characters that I guess, you know, in the comics further in the future – don't really um, have that interaction in the same way as with with Bruce. Yeah, I, I like. I really do love that it kind of sets a completely different tone of what we think the relationship between Thomas and, and Alfred was. I think we always we always thought that you know they were really good friends. Uh, Alfred was the butler of the household. He's taking care of Bruce Wayne, the son of, of Thomas, because he's indebted to the Wayne family or in, or indebted to his good friend, effectively. What we see here is that you know even Thomas calls it out. You know we are friends, and Alfred's kind of looking at him going kind of you know but thomas offers to pay for the tickets for him uh, which i love that they underlined this here thomas is trying to pay for the tickets for him and later on you hear thomas speaking into his dictaphone effectively saying this was going to be a way to try and get alfie on board they've been trying to recruit him for the cia for a long time now so thomas is totally duplicitous in this show you know Uh, absolutely i like the way though that alfred is very clued in that any favor mm-hmm. with the CIA is going to come and bite him back on the ass. Exactly, exactly. Um, just call out on the amount of money that it costs to go over there. So they call it, it costs 15 grand um, for all three tickets that they're looking for. That's one for Alfie, one for uh, Dave Boy, and one for his mum. That's the three tickets. Uh, last season, Baza, unfortunately, who's who's been uh, who's died um, back in episode three, uh, Baza would have been the fourth ticket, which would have equaled 20 grand which was the exact amount of money that got robbed from them uh, back in episode three. So they would have had enough money to cover all four seats for the flight. Uh, unfortunately yeah, now because that's of, all yeah, they would have had. They wouldn't exactly. have been able to have the life that they kept dreaming about because it would have all gone on the flight over. Exactly, exactly. Haven't we had holidays like that before, John? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Aye. But um, this also leads to the job. This leads to the, the decision that they have to go back and do one last job for Gully, right? Because uh, they need the money. They're now way behind on what they need to get out of the UK and get over to America. Um, I love that they've put their own restriction on the timeline, though. Like, Alfie's the one that said they need to get out next week. So they've just given themselves, what, six days to get 20 grand. <laughs> so, you know, th- they absolutely made that decision. Thomas was kind of saying... Flights are like gold dust here, and Alfie's going. It has to be next week, you know. So, uh, so they have kind of made made it, made it a little more difficult for themselves. Yeah, they really have, and I guess they need way more than twenty thousand because, okay, later on in this episode, Alfie's mom, who you know we assume is still coming, but she's she's been pretty ice cold on mm, on, on yeah, going, yeah. and I think she really confirms later on that she she ain't going to be going to America. Absolutely. So they would have ten thousand to spend, but whether that would set them up in the life that they think they're going to get in America, uh, I'm not entirely sure. So my my kind of feeling is that they would need to get a lot more than twenty thousand to live the dream that they've had in their their minds, which mm-hmm. is about effectively socializing their way to the ends of their life basically <laughs> by the pool in yeah. in Hollywood so 
Uh, yeah, they kind of need to rethink that that amount of money. Yeah, they also want to get out of a war zone, so I'm sure you know maybe they don't get the best life for the world, but they get out of the UK. So I, th- I think that's it. But the job itself is kind of interesting, isn't it? The, the job itself is to uh, steal from the local wrestling arena. Now this does seem like a big arena. It does seem like a massive event that's going on. So there will definitely be money there, but it's a, it's an interesting one. It's not a bank. Um, it's not you know another regular location for uh, for storing money. So it's an interesting job, at least. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the great thing that this does is just set up the interaction with Gully mm-hmm. and also with his wife, Melanie, um, because you, you've had a, a bit of tension there between Gully and, and Alfie. Yep. You've certainly had tension between Dave Boy and members of Gully's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly uh, Gully may or may not be aware of um, what went down in the Delaney Club uh, previously between yeah. Alfie and and his wife, so I'd say you know, he's pretty the, unaware of that. Now. Th- this is yeah. kind of like a, a huge cement mixer, and you just don't quite know what is going to get spat out by yeah. it, and um, it, it leads to a lot of uh, tension through this episode, which I thought was really, really good. And indeed, with the job itself, um, it it's done really, really well. I, I really like it where they're cutting between. What's going on in the wrestling arena between uh, Rowdy Rose Perkins and uh, Mad Janet Murphy? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all intercutting away. You've got them then, you know, Gully drilling into the safe um, and and the, the just the clock counting down. Yeah. It, it, it's really nicely tense. And again, they really pick great um, locations for these shoots. It really looks the part. Yeah. Um, I, I love the sense um, of of this heist that they're doing. Yeah. It, you know, for a, a TV show an hour long, it, it really gets that sense of the heist really yeah. well. And then just how it really heads south pretty quickly uh, when, you know, unknown to them because wrestling is fixed, which was, um, you know, the big shock to Dave Boy. Yeah. Um, it ends up where the, the, the two ladies in the arena, um, a few of the moves go awry and it kind of escalates into being a bit of a real fight and a real wrestle rather well, than yeah. the the well choreographed one that it would normally take. So it ends up finishing early. I love the conversation you hear in the ring between the two of them, two of them kind of going, calm down, calm down your aggression, you know, just stick with the moves. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's Mad Janet that says that to, to Reddy Rose. And Reddy Rose is like, no, you calm down. <laughs> and they start battling in the ring like a real fight, effectively, which is why it ends 10 minutes early, I think. So it's quite a significant uh, time difference uh, for the guys. They thought it was going to be a 25-minute match and ended off being being 15 minutes, you know. Uh, really, really cool uh, idea here. And, I, I, you know, it, it's it's just that amping up of the aggression between the two of them as things amp up outside, you know. Um, Gully thinking he's fully in control of everything. Even though, remember, Dave Boyd did point out that this was a possibility. Even though everybody yeah. else believed this is absolutely fixed. This is how long every every fight lasts. I think um, Alfie points out they want to sell their beer and pies, right? So they're not going to let anybody leave before all those pies are sold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know? So, uh, so that that's quite interesting. But it's it's Banjo that kind of wrecks the whole situation. Banjo is one of the members of Gully's team. He's the one that Dave Boy had had that argument with back in episode four, um, where they looked like they were going to come to blows uh, while Alfie and Gully were having their own uh, little bit of tension as well. So Yeah, um, and he's the one that's basing Dave Boy mm-hmm. at the meeting at Gully's house as well yeah. about, it, well, it's not going to finish early, this this fight. Um, yeah. you know, And he goes... And Santa's not real either. <gasps> you know, another, you know, another revelation being dropped. Terrible. But, um, it, yeah, this is, this is really kind of good where you see him in panic and he ends off, um, killing multiple civilians. And the other great totally thing. Totally random. As well. It, it was like a little random. Bullet to the head over and over again. Yeah. Okay. It was a little random, but, you know, he panics and he shoots the bullet into the, the crowd that are rushing. Uh, in a mad panic to yeah. leave the the wrestling ring because they've heard the explosion down in the cash office, mm-hmm. and so all of this is kind of coming to a head really. And it, one of the nice things about this episode as well is just you know the opening is this crazy situation where you have a re- a lady in red with an axe charging at someone in a mask holding a gun. Yeah, and actually from that opening, I didn't think it was Alfred. Right, um, I thought. 
having seen that and see seeing then the the high storm fold i thought it was going to be banjo oh really and um, i just didn't recognize the voice oh, okay. of, of alfred in that moment but then you I get to see that play out you know <laughs> yeah uh, and uh it, it's really it, it's just really good the mad panic um yeah. as all the crowd are rushing and uh gully alfred and all, all the other people are all trying to get out. Uh, but yeah, in this panic, there's multiple killings, um, yeah. which then gets picked up by the press as well. Yeah, absolutely. Fair dues to John East as well. This really did feel like one of those 70s cop shows where, where there's a heist going on or even a 60s, 70s movie. You know, it had that real feel about uh, this situation. How are they going to get out of this? You know, I did think it was Alfred at the start being faced down by the, by the wrestler. Uh, so it just felt like this is a great kickoff to the show oh, Alfie's in that situation, how's he going to get out of it later on uh, in this episode kind of thing? And the way he gets out of it is that Banjo goes around him and shoots uh, shoots her in the head. So he gets out of it by not actually doing anything. Alfred is not responsible here for the death. He's not a murderer, as Dave Boy says to him later on. But his mom doesn't care about this. When she sees it in the newspaper, finds out that he's been involved, she's not willing to listen to any kind of explanation at all. You can see the disdain on her face that he's even brought home the money from the heist. The idea that he would bring this horrible thing down on their home. Um, We've absolutely heard her many times say she's not going to America. But as, as you said earlier on, John, this pretty much confirms that she even says, um, send Dave Boy over for your clothes, knowing that she may never see her son again, knowing that her son is moving to another country. She's kicked him out and she's done with him now. Yeah, this is pretty final, um, to be honest, uh, to, you know, to the point where Alfie can't even pick up his belongings. Yeah, she said you can get Dave Boy to come and collect them. Um, and I mean, other than some kind of reconciliation attempt by Alfie with his mother, um, I guess this is probably early doors for this mother-son relationship. Yeah, I, I, just, I suspect that he's going to try and get back into her good graces at some point uh, later on in the season. But it is quite, quite final from her point of view there. Uh, but then, as we mentioned in the synopsis, uh, things still are quite complicated with Alfie. Um, all the way throughout the episode, there's kind of a lot of people mentioning that Alfie's been out of sorts. Um, not only was his best friend Baza killed, um, but he's also out of sorts with everything else that's going on. He's completely out of control at the moment. Yeah, he was getting more and more violent towards the end of the last season, and now he's not as in control as he was. We saw the scene earlier on in this episode, which was quite funny, where he's talking to Dave Boy and going, telling Dave Boy to make him make a decision, and Dave's looking at him going... After all these years together, you want me to make a decision <laughs> I know. In, a, in a like you're lost, mate kind of kind of uh, attitude uh, that's in there. But Melanie is there. Uh, Gully's wife is there, w- waiting for him when he's back in his club. He's sitting there. Uh, he's supposed to be out with Sandra when she's recording uh, that beautiful piece of music that she that she uh, is recording. That beautiful song, um, "Love Is a Losing Game," the Amy Winehouse cover that that she's that she's recording in the studio. Uh, Alfie promised that he'd be there. Instead, he's sitting there staring at his cash uh, from the robbery uh, and hooks up with Melanie, uh, Gully's wife. So uh, that's definitely going to come back to bite him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you even hear uh, Dave Boy earlier in the episode saying, you've still not told her. Uh, And Alfred getting really um, defensive about it. Well, we're not going, are we, at the moment? We've lost the the 20,000. Yeah. So, but not telling Sandra about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, 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 it is one of those things where, I mean, it really does paint Alfie in a, in a bad light here. Yeah. And I think the, this whole thing with Sandra singing, um, the, the, the song is just so, so good. I think mm-hmm. that and the opening with, uh, Rowdy Rose Perkins, uh, is really two of my favorite parts of this episode. Yeah. I, I think the whole, montage to that song with the kind of betrayal of Alfred to um with Sandra yeah. really uh with Gully's wife um and all the other relationship elements here um between Gully and Melanie you know Mr and Mrs Troy are not in a good place yeah. and then you have uh unbeknownst to to Sandra really Alfie's not in a good place with her. Like he, he doesn't tell her the truth. And you see, um, all these relationships yeah. forming or, or splitting up. You know, you, you've got Katie and Bet, um, sort of getting on with one another and, and sort of laying their, their 
issues or reservations to rest. You've got Martha and, and Thomas no longer together and mm-hmm. um, it, it separated and Francis Gaunt and Lord Harwood separated as well in terms yeah. of that friendship. And just with this haunting music over um, the top of all this, um, it's really so, so well done. I really, really love that. And, and the same with just on the Rowdy Rose Perkins, you know, it feels because it's wrestling, um, it just feels like something out of the Gotham universe. Right. And that's what yeah. you thought. You had no context of that opening. And you just saw someone yeah. in a costume with an axe mm-hmm. racing towards uh, the person in the gun, Alfred. Yeah. Uh, and so it really had that feel of, of um, Gotham uh, and, a, and a superhero comic property yeah, in, in that moment, which was really, really nicely done. So yeah. I, I loved... Um, I, I loved all of this, and I thought, in particular, with Melanie uh, and Alfie, you know, it, it felt very um, sad to see him doing that to Sandra. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, it was really um, powerful, very but, emotional. But John, love is a losing game, exactly, exactly. as the song goes. Uh, one final bit uh, that happens within these scenes as well, right at the end of the episode, is, is Gully executing Banjo in the woods. Again, feels like something right out of a gangster movie, effectively uh, Gully taking Banjo out to the woods. Uh, not 100% sure that Banjo knows that he's going to be executed, but pretty likely that he does. He knows that he has to pay the price for what happened here. Um, and effectively what happened was he lost it, he killed civilians, he murdered one of the per- one of the people on the marquee. Effectively, he murdered one of the wrestlers, and then when they weren't caught, he laughed about it and bragged about it. Almost, we got away. Basically, is what he's saying to Gully, and Gully can't have that happen. So Banjo knows there's a price to pay here. Um, yeah, I mean, either he he knows and he's going willingly, or as a soldier, he's not that great. Given that he was allowing. Um, Gully to walk behind him Absolutely. in that way with a gun. So I guess he does know ultimately, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, but he certainly goes there quite willingly to mm-hmm. to his death. Yeah, yeah. That's the end of the major story of Alfie the Boys and the Job. Uh, let's get on to the English League and uh, and Thomas Wayne. Not a huge amount happening with the English League specifically, but remember Martha is a member of the league, so uh, everything that happens with her really in the episode is also connected to the English League, right? That's where we're going to take the anyway for the for the, as far as we can as far as we can for the rest of the season. I think that's where the, the way we're going to take it. Uh, yes, John mentioned earlier on Thomas and Martha breaking up uh, once again. I absolutely love the interaction between between these two. I love Martha. She's such a strong character, and I love her reaction constantly when Thomas yeah. seems to try to protect her like a little precious egg. You know, he's had so many experiences with this woman from all the way through season one, showing how strong she is, showing how much stronger she is than Thomas is as this kind of privileged uh, boy brought up with a silver spoon in his mouth. Um, well, you you look at it and you kind of understand where Bruce would get his fighting spirit from. It's certainly from Martha yeah. and not from Thomas. Yeah, she, he got the money from Thomas and the uh, the, the chutzpah from, from Martha, I think. <laughs> um, but I love this, the line between the two of them, you know, where, where he goes, I'm worried about you. We're in a relationship. Aren't you worried about me? And she goes, no. I suspect you can take care of yourself like I can take care of myself. And anyway, we're not in a relationship. We've had sex, what, three times? That means we've had sex three times. It's just a sex thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a relationship. Yeah, it's really good. And there's a lot of innuendo in this scene about being pumped for information as well. There certainly is, yeah. Um, Yeah. Which Martha is concerned that that is all Thomas is doing here, is pumping her for information about the English League and maybe isn't really... And too concerned with with their relationship, even though outwardly he is saying that because he's very quick to hide and the dictaphone and stop his recording around about Alfie um, when she comes downstairs into the apartment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you, you know, he's keeping things under wraps. Let's just say that he's not being open in that relationship. True, true but I, I definitely think she knows uh, what's going on. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> She's a cla- clever girl. Fully aware. Um, I, I also love yeah, that moment when Thomas uh, catches himself when he's about to say, uh, most women would kill themselves for, for a chance to be with me or do whatever I wanted kind of thing. Uh, most women would, um, would what, uh, says Martha back to him, you know, uh, love those moments. And then when they have their final fight and Thomas walks away telling her to clean up her house, uh, the slob uh, as he leaves. But it cuts back to that a little bit later on. You see Martha coming back home on her own, 
glass of whiskey in hand, sits down at her disgustingly dirty apartment, admittedly. Like, that is definitely someone that doesn't uh, doesn't like to clean. Uh, but I love that she just cleans off, just wipes off the table one arm, uh, pushing everything onto the floor <laughs> effectively. So she is pretty much a slop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's she will, it's she her need, house. It's yeah. her home. So Absolutely. She will need a butler uh, to take care of she her. She certainly uh, a will. mansion when she moves yeah. in the future. <laughs> And on the other side of that uh, of that scene, when uh, Martha's sitting at home, you have uh, Thomas sitting in his office, working late once again, uh, sitting alone, no, nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. And he spies the communique from uh, from Lucius Fox, who is kind of trapped within the Raven Union. Right? Uh, he's been he's been monitoring what's going on. He he saw Project Stormcloud, filmed it, got a bit freaked out used his amazing skills to try and get in contact with Thomas Wayne, uh, sent a piece of paper with one line on it, and the piece of paper fell out of the machine and uh, slid down behind <laughs> behind a table. I was actually expecting that this wouldn't be resolved in the episode. Uh, I thought this was going to be something that, you know, in three weeks' time, uh, it would just be the skeleton of Lucius Fox <laughs> was found uh, up in uh, up in the base of the Raven Union because uh, Thomas doesn't check his, uh, his notifications when they come in. Well, that's it. I mean, <laughs> quite frankly, as a handler in the cia for mm. spies um thomas was pretty uh he's not very diligent shall we say yeah uh, firstly he's sleeping on the job in his office when the communique comes in That's right. from lucius fox and it, it gets um cut off the piece of paper where it's being printed off gets cut off and falls behind and then when he actually sees it he goes and picks it up and i guess it's just because he thought it was a piece of blank paper yeah. But in that moment, he just puts it and puts it in a pile of of other papers without looking at it. And I was like going, so you're not even going to read it. Um, You know, Lucius is going to be even more sort of isolated uh, at uh, the Raven Union headquarters. But luckily he does. And I was thinking, ah, come on, Thomas, at least read the paper (laughs) that you just picked up off the floor. Uh Um, You know, and he realizes that, um, yeah, he's left Lucius uh, maybe in a sticky situation here at the Raven Union headquarters. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I was thinking, yeah, he's not a great handler for the CIA. He's not that diligent, really. Not really. But, um, but I do wonder, is Lucia safe? I, I do wonder if it's been waiting too long. Should he have been able to organize something back? You know, at least a day has gone by. Uh, at least, well, I'd say at least it's gone from day to night between the times that, uh, that Thomas uh, could have picked up the information and sent in somebody to help him out or get him out somehow so uh yeah i think uh, i think stormcloud may have freaked lucius out quite a bit i think so um but on the other side of things martha is praised to the rafters by uh, the new prime minister of uh, the english league aziz mm-hmm. uh, when she arranges uh, the secret meeting uh, with francis gaunt uh, in in london yeah. uh, where they're kind of just checking one another out but basically, uh, Francis comes with uh, to open up discrete lines of communication. But she ultimately comes with a veiled threat as well, in that she asks or demands that the English League be uh, surrender to them, so that it will protect everyone from uh, the devastating impact of the weapon that she doesn't mention. However, Aziz is fully aware of the Project Stormcloud, mm. which was really, really interesting. I is guess... He? Is he aware of the... I believe he's aware of the name and he's aware that it's a secret weapon. I don't know whether he does know um, exactly what it is because I love that he deflects when asked. Francis Gaunt asks him, so what is it then? And he goes, no, you tell me what it is. I know everything about it, <laughs> which is what everybody says when they don't have enough information. Um, it is a really weird threat from Francis Gaunt as well. She is. She does look appropriately terrified of the idea of Stormcloud being used. But it's a really weird threat, isn't it? You must surrender to us because we have this massive weapon that I really don't want to be used on anybody at all. (laughs) So I don't want it used, but if you don't surrender to us, it will be used and then you'll all die, which I don't want to happen, basically. Well, I think Francis has been the one who's been uneasy about Stormcloud all the time. Of course, yeah, of course. She doesn't want to see chemical warfare uh, taken up. But she, you know, she she's giving the reality that she sees that effectively the English League are are surrounded and um, they're being bombarded. Mm-hmm. She says we've got the army, the air force, and the navy. Yeah. Um, Aziz to that says you may have taken the towns, uh, you may have all this, all the armed forces, but 
you don't have the hearts and minds of England. And that as we're in London, and while we still hold London, then he is not just the Prime Minister of the English League, but of England. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, he, he gives back as good as he gets from Francis Gaunt. And I think he's just, yeah, he's just playing um, the, the the game of cat and mouse with Francis to yeah. say, you know, just lobbing Stormcloud in as a name, he sees that she has a reaction to that. Yeah. So, you know, he, he he's made the perfect play there that's that's what it's about exactly um and it's interesting you know she lets it uh slip that she's not here really as such for the raven union mm. but she's there for england um, and i guess that's her uneasiness about Stormcloud. So, again, this whole meeting is without the knowledge of Harwood. Uh, he doesn't know anything about this. Absolutely. Kind of finishes our English League point, though, because it leads really well into our Raven Union point. Yes. And what's going on over there. Um, are we seeing the proper creation of another DC Comics villain uh, in Harwood here? I really feel like how they've laid this out all the way from from season one. You saw him as a very powerful leader and you see him lose his nose and you see him go a little bit crazy. But I think this tension that's rising where he's falling out of um, respect and feeling that he's been uh, his trust has been broken by Francis Gaunt and this attitude to her as he ratchets up taking more and more alcohol and more and more drugs Um this feels like the kind of villain that you would see in a DC show. This feels like someone that's really starting to lose connection with reality in a way. Yeah, there's something of a genesis here or mm. a creation story happening. And I, I think it's kind of interesting. Part of me is wondering about the medication. Yeah. Um, is that something that salt is giving to him Ooh, yeah. um is that where he's getting his his medicine mm-hmm. um in which case maybe there's something around that medicine that is affecting him but the one the other aspect to this is that you know up till this episode salt has been trying to play that manipulating game between gaunt and Harwood trying to weasel, the yeah. um try to unsettle their relationship yeah. kind of you know, squirm his way between them and disrupt that friendship and that alliance at the the top of the Raven Union. And here, he is actually pretty um, knocked down by Harwood. He, I, I guess, he feels he's got the full royal flush uh, in the poker game when he comes to Harwood to say um, that she has met with Aziz yeah. secretly. That did you know anything about this? And Harwood just. You know, he pretends that he did yeah. and that she she will brief him, but he, he doesn't. And he really says to Salt, this is way above your pay grade. Mm-hmm. Um, you just do technical scientific testing. Yeah. Uh, stop having ideas uh, ab- above your pay grade Absolutely. effectively. Because, so, yeah, it does feel like Salt is trying to put himself in there in the leadership team of, of this group. Yeah, so, so yeah. I don't know whether that means Salt is kind of really now kind of gone you know in in that sense but the thing that to me kind of you know there is storm cloud still but also because of this over-reliance on the medication we've not really been told what that's for whether it's to deal with the pain for the the nose being um taken off when he was being tortured in in london Mm. um but you know, that's a lot of painkillers happening at this stage. Um, well, over a year since that happened, you would have thought it would have healed. But you just don't quite know what that medication is for. You see him staggering around the corridors. Mm-hmm. He's losing his temper. He's becoming much more prickly yeah. um, and sensitive about things. And, of course, with Gaunt coming back um, and you, you, you see him really just... Um, losing it with her to the point where then he gets her arrested and put into prison and the thing is though these two characters i I really i kind of just really enjoyed it because you got the sense that they were friends and allies at the top and even though harwood was doing this you could sense the bitterness about him having to do it to francis um, and her pleading but in the end he's he's got to do it because 
He is... He's suspicious of everyone. He can't trust anyone. He's feeling betrayed. Yeah. And he, even though they've been long friends, he now, he can't verify what she's saying. Yeah. So he, he thinks he, she's betrayed him. So exactly. into prison, uh, she goes. Yeah. But you hear like Harwood saying he's known her his entire life. Yeah. You know, they're, they're that close. They've known each other forever. And now he's willing to cut her off. Have to say, you know, you mentioned earlier on about that opening scene and the closing scene with, uh, the beautiful song from, uh, from Sandra. Um, there are two great scenes in the episode for, from an acting standpoint, this scene between Anna Chancellor and Jason Fleming, uh, in these two roles in Francis Scott and, and Harwood, I think is my favorite scene in the episode. Yeah. I love how the, the tension is, is going in the scene. I love that moment with, uh, with Fleming going, you know, um, do you want me to dance? And he starts dancing and going, Oh, not so bad for an old cripple. Am I, you know, where he's really getting at her. And as you say, really playing on the fact that he's lost this best friend of his, the only person he could trust all the way throughout this. And then he tries to reach out to Beth, the only other person he could trust. Yeah. At Peggy's sex shop at Mm -hmm. the Sykes paint shop. In fact, I love the name of the paint shop. I think it's great. It feels like it could be a pharmacy. (laughs) And it's just that, you know, it's the matter of chance that who has come in looking for a truncheon that's more glossy, Mm. but George, the beef eater who imprisoned bet in, in season one and who uh, forced himself uh, upon her to rape her. And so she is getting her own back also to protect herself because if they allow him to leave, from the the shop then he will report that she's back in london yeah, exactly and yeah. um, so you you have the the phone ringing while she's effectively clubbing him over the head with a revolver mm-hmm. and on the other end of that is harwood who ends up not getting uh, in contact with bet yeah and so again another emotional rug pulled another relationship another contact to to give him certainty has gone um and you know it just compounds his his feeling of isolation of not being able to trust anyone close to him at raven union headquarters because bet would ultimately tell him how it is uh you know give it to him straight uh really in terms of uh, what he's feeling uh, that's what she's always done and that's yeah. what he's relied on with his relationship and friendship with her yeah exactly exactly great use uh in this period show it's in the 60s so that's a period show right um i know we're quite old uh, it doesn't feel like that lo- that much longer before we were born but the use of the telephone uh throughout this scene again adding the tension if you're going to be in the 60s make sure a telephone's ringing the whole time in the background yeah it, it adds absolutely to the tension. good job there uh but i suppose let's let's just talk quick about that scene um, and what's going on there you, you mentioned what's happening with with George uh, with beef eater George that's the person that she eventually was able to manipulate into uh, posting the letters which eventually got her out of the Tower of London so they do have that connection as well uh, there is there, there was that kind of the power dynamic I suppose shifted between the two of them um, from him being a guard taking advantage of her to uh, her Uh, being able to manipulate him into eventually getting her out of prison. But Katie walks in on this and sees another real Beth Sykes. Uh, She constantly says, no, I'm grand. I'm I'm not a bad person at all to Katie. But she's seen over and over again the threats, the violence that Beth does. And once again, she sees this violence being beaten down on George here. And unfortunately, a bit of a slip of the tongue from Peggy, where where she reveals that Beth was in the Tower of London uh, waiting, hanging. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, uh, this... Like, this is really quite good, and it kind of really helps to sort of bring Katie Browning a bit more to the fore here. You know, as you say, Bet has constantly been asking Katie to trust her, that she's a good person at every other stage of, of, um, of their journey from the detention center, Mm -hmm. um, has been Katie seeing Bet killing people, clubbing people, beating people up, yeah. uh, uh, stealing things. So Katie's really now not sure whether she wants to hang around with Bet Sykes in that sense. And here she sees um, a guy in a seat being beaten over the head yeah. with uh, with a revolver. I get. I guess that interrogation scene, the noises coming out of the the shop, uh, probably 
I don't know what passers-by would be thinking, mm. um, given it is uh, the Sykes pain supplies. Product testing night, probably. I, I guess so. Um, Infantry. An, a, yeah, a new, a, a new device had uh, come in the post, yeah, I maybe. guess. Yeah. But, um, you know, this leads to Peggy Sykes... I guess giving the backstory to Bet Sykes, you know, yeah. talk uh, about um, a younger sister called Marianne, uh, also known as May, mm-hmm. and that she drowned, and it always was Bet Sykes was give, was blamed for this. Yeah. Peggy is adamant that it wasn't, but that she's carried around that guilt, um, this idea of always trying to to do good to make up for that, but always being followed by. Just bad luck. It's almost um, cursed from that uh, point Yeah, onwards, cursed yeah. from that point onwards. Yeah. Um, and, you know, ultimately it comes with Katie wanting to stay with Bet Sykes mm. despite um, her history. Yeah. You know, uh, Bet, when Katie really is challenging her and when Peggy is telling her her history, she she runs out of the shop, but Katie goes to find her uh, and they share a nice intimate moment. And again, yeah. another scene with the beautiful song from Sandra mm-hmm. where it shows the two of them nestled together on, on a sofa. Yeah, so, but only because Beth has committed that she will no longer be violent. She will yes. no longer do any kind of physical pain to anybody including George, which I love. That's <laughs> exactly. kind of going, well, just after I after I take care of George, then I'll commit to it that I won't be violent anymore. And uh, she, <laughs> as they walk back to the shop, she just says, we'll have to think of more creative ways yeah. uh, rather than just simply uh, killing uh, George. And I was there going, well, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? And I have to say, phenomenally phenomenally good uh, as george becomes the latest window display yeah. at sykes pain supplies he's bald and gagged in his pvc um and he's screaming strapped to the chair in the window display of Sykes pain supply um what a fantastic moment loved it, it made me giggle uncontrollably for hours. I guess they were using uh, Mr. Spicer's costume from uh, last season? Well, possibly. I certainly remember that Mr. Spicer died, um, but I was half expecting to see Mr. Spicer's maybe dead body as a mannequin in the shop (laughs) and Mrs. Spicer walking around still... Um, in her dominatrix type way as part of the, you know, the staff to help customers find their glossy truncheons um, as George <laughs> was looking for. So, yeah, I really thought this absolutely hit the nail on the head Good for fun. Peggy Sykes and Bet Sykes yeah. and the Sykes Pain Supplies licensed sex shop. Yes, yes. Absolutely great. Nice touch that it was uh, Alfie getting into his car and that's how we see it in the background. So Alfie was right outside the the new home of the Sykes and had no idea that he was that close to them again there. Absolutely not. So that's where we wrap it up uh, on the major points from the episode and everything that's going on uh, within the show, right? Um, where are we going, John, in this series? Uh, Alfie's still struggling to get out of the UK, still doesn't have enough money uh, to get out of the UK, although he, all he needed was 15 grand. And now his mother's not coming, so maybe he only needs 10 grand now. So maybe he does have enough money to get out. I guess so. And they, they must have gotten 20 grand to replace the 20 grand. So yeah. they should have Hopefully. 10 grand to spare, I reckon. Maybe. You hope so. Hope so. Um, so I guess we're going to get a bit more of that next week, see what, see what actually is happening. Um, I guess if people keep dropping off the invited guest list to the US, like if something happens to Dave Boy and he decides to go back to Scotland or something, uh, we're left with just Alfie and lots of money trying to get over there. Uh, something tells me that Alfie may uh, go over there without any money and end up working for the Waynes. Uh, <laughs> I have this feeling that that's probably what's going to happen from... Uh, 70 years worth of history of comics uh, that well, he doesn't end up, end up over there in a uh, in a mansion of his own. Well, I have to say that would really make um the whole Alfred Butler uh at at the Wayne Manor mm-hmm. it almost give it a little dark twist that he, he's almost like an indentured servant. Well, no, he's given a job by his only friend <laughs> no. that, that he knows in Gotham. That's that's really a not, not indentured servant. Tude. <laughs> uh, with the Raven Union and the English League, any idea what's going to happen between the two of those? Harwood now uh, in full soul control after uh, 
sticking Francis Gaunt into a, into a prison. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess any kind of arrangement that was made between them and the English league is kind of null and void. Right? I, I, I guess so. I, I still think that Salt is going to play a role here mm-hmm. with Harwood. Uh, maybe it's ultimately him trying to uh, reach Harwood's position and take over the Raven Union. Maybe it's something along those lines. Yep. Maybe there is going to be an all-out um, f- attack on on London by the Raven Union. The use of Stormcloud, or at least the you know the tension and the threat of Stormcloud being used, ready for deployment. We've still got Lucius Fox there. Love to see yeah. him involved in that, trying to disable it. Yeah, me too. Um, and yeah. certainly now that Thomas has seen that, you know, Lucius needs to get out ASAP, he needs to come back with this intel as to exactly what it does. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, because remember the CIA are effectively supporting the Raven Union, but they have Lucius Fox in there getting the information. So potentially, actually, Lucius Fox is in there just for Thomas, not for the CIA. He's working on his own to get the information to Thomas so that Thomas can give it to the CIA so they'll change who yeah. they're supporting it. And I feel Martha as a wily uh, spy herself probably w- is pumping, unbeknownst to Thomas, him for information, well, yeah. uh, getting the information, maybe why Aziz knows about the the, the name Stormcloud. Um, but certainly, I guess, whatever happens with the Raven Union, there will be the flip or mirror side of that with the English League. Yeah. I think the other big thing here is there's going to have to be something that plays out with Sandra and Alfie, mm-hmm. Gully and and Alfie, yep. because of 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 Melanie. Um, and well, in both cases, it yep. will be down to Melanie. Uh, but also, there is the the reconnection of of Alfred with Martha and Thomas. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems very transactional their relationship yeah, here yeah, um, compared to the earlier episodes of season one. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I think it'll be... Even inter- the first half of season one showed there was a very big gap between the three characters. Yeah, there. and but Alfred and, and Martha were much more tight, I, I felt, to begin in, with, in season yeah. one to begin yeah. with, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, there's an element of the story having to progress in that way as mm-hmm. well. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing... Uh, what comes up in in the rest of this series? Yeah, definitely. No major notes about the episode. Just just want to call it again. The song uh, "Loves a Losing Game" by Amy Winehouse. That's the second appearance of a cover version of an Amy Winehouse song in the show. Uh, we had "Back to Black" uh, from episode one from the pilot. So uh, so I love the use of Amy Winehouse in the show. I think it, her her type of songs, the songs that she used to write really fit with this kind of melded period of the 60s yeah, and 50s definitely. and 20s and 70s all merged together. It feels like it's so appropriate to use her music in the show. I think it's yeah, really good. definitely. Yeah. Um, the only note for me was, again, just, you know, the quality of the special effects. You get another great aerial shot of London uh, continually being bombarded mm, uh, fun, by yeah. the Raven Union. We've seen that before. Like, a really great shot. Um, just, like, the lighting, the... Just the feel really uh, helps. And, and yep. just even other little moments where, you know, they put in a, a smoking chimney stack, you know, be, behind just a, a normal street scene. It just mm-hmm. adds so much. So it's just the, the notes for me really is just around the production of this show. Yep. Like I was saying, just the venue for the wrestling match was just, it just felt right for Pennyworth. It was really good. Good old Cozy VFX doing their, uh, doing their brilliant job. They've been doing all the way back to Gotham as well. So uh, yeah, great to see them back on board. Uh, I guess we have to have a little bit of our uh, explanation corner for, uh, for some of the uh, Britishisms uh, in the episode, John. Absolutely, (laughs) Gavner. We'll see what we can do here. We'll see what we can do. There's one that's in there uh, in a quick moment between Alfie and, uh, and Sandra and her father. Um, Sandra's trying to get Alfie to guess uh, what the special news that she has. And Alfie guesses that her father's joined the circus because of his brand new suit. Uh, and he responds with Pucker whistle this uh, <laughs> as he's looking at this brand new suit. Pucker, meaning great. Whistle, weirdly, meaning suit. Don't yeah. know why, but he's effectively just saying it's a great suit. You could tell that from what he was saying, but Pucker would be a very, uh, a very London type of term, right? Yes, yeah. I, definitely. Yeah. Um, from Gully... He says, as the tension in the cash office with the wrestling match finishing, mm-hmm. um, and there's the debate between them as to whether they should, uh, dare I say, it, blow the bloody doors off. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, who does wins as he goes to um, 
blow the door off off the safe. Yep. And that is the um, SAS motto. That's right. Who does wins from the the special forces in the UK? Yep. Um So yeah. And again, ties into their army background. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, uh, well used in only fools and horses. Who dares wins, riders, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, last one, which even John uh, didn't actually recognize, uh, from Harwood, uh, when he's talking to uh, Salt and telling him not above his station, he uses the phrase "matters of state beyond your ken" uh, to to Salt. Do you remember what that means, John? I do now. Yeah, yeah, I told him beforehand. <laughs> um, it means knowledge. It means above your knowledge, above what you should be know, what you should know. It's actually a Scottish phrase. I hear a lot of people saying, um, "Do you ken?" Do you know? Basically, would be how it's yeah. how it's used in conversation in Scotland. So a lot of my uh, a lot of my Scottish friends would have said that uh, pretty often, uh, meaning that I don't know anything. Do you can, Derek? Do you can? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's our discussion about Pettyworth, season two, episode five, "The Bleeding Heart." It feels like all of the episode titles actually are kind of like names for the characters in the show. So still trying to work out who the bleeding heart of this episode is, um, who is really the person that that is caring for everybody more than they should, I suppose would be the term, the bleeding heart, right? Uh, who's the one that cares for people more than they should? Is it Frances Gaunt because she cares for England more than everybody else and wants the bombing not to stop? Is it Sandra who cares more for Alfie than Alfie does for her? Is it Alfie because he's... Going to Melanie, I don't know, uh, caring for her because once again, uh, we do see that she's beaten by, uh, by Gully here. You know, is that, is that the caring heart that we have in here, the bleeding heart? Or is it the bleeding heart liberal, uh, that is Martha? Um, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? We should be trying to work this out. This is why we have a podcast. I think you've on. worked it out pretty well. Um, I, I'm, I will go with you 100%. Okay, one of those seven people. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay. Or it's all of them. Okay. As we close out then, John, how would you rate this episode of Pennyworth? I really like this episode. I would give it three and a half uh, polished truncheons out of five. Um, you know, it's, it's I difficult. I don't want to see where that half truncheon's going. No, exactly. I, I think, you know, it, it's really good... Um, writing and the direction and everything just to bring you back on board and i think it's really difficult for a show because of being having to close down production for covid mm-hmm. um then having to come back and i guess they had to switch things up yep. as to what they had to do in terms of the writing the acting the production and so on so I, I think it's a real difficult situation where you've got your, your first four um, and you've had this break and, and now you're coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, the break was always intended in some way. You know, they did that a bit with, with Gotham. Yeah. But I don't think it was in this case. And so I think this was really good to sort of pull together everything that went on in the first four episodes uh, and to, I think, push that storyline forward between Sandra uh, Melanie, Troy, Gully, uh, with getting to America, having the whole bank heist in there was really nicely done. And as I say, I think there's some great moments, um, in this. I think the, the musical montage, mm-hmm. um, was just phenomenal. You had some laugh out moments at, uh, Sykes pain supplies, um, with um, with George uh, being at the wrong end, I guess, of that uh, revolver yep. uh, and Bet Sykes, you have the the the, the tensions all round between Gully, Sandra, uh, Melanie, and, and and Alfie. That whole that square where that they don't know yet. They yeah. they don't under they don't know that this is going to be a problem moving forward yeah. with his mum. As like well. Alfie and Melanie should absolutely know there's going to be a problem with Gully. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, Alfie <laughs> does. Yeah. But Alfie is the one holding all the secrets. Yeah. He's the one compartmentalizing everything. He's the one that's been pretty awful to Sandra. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- it's, you know, there's nice little sort of tension there that is ready to explode. Seeing what happens with Harwood and, and seeing the, the split in his relationship with Gaunt, really, really good. Um, and yeah, the, the, the bank, or sorry, the wrestling cash office heist yep. was just really, um, a great action sequence, really, really built nicely. So yeah, I, I definitely think this is a really good episode with three and a half polished truncheons out of five. 
absolutely agree with you. Really, really enjoyed this episode. Really enjoyed being back in the world of Pettyworth as well. We'll be back next week with episode six of season two, The Rose and Thorn. Once again, we've just finished our coverage of WandaVision over on uh, over on Disney+. Plus. Uh, you can check that out on our main feed on tvpodcastindustries.com. And we'll be following up with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which begins on March 19th as well. But in the meantime, join us here on the Pennyworth Podcast for all our discussions about Pennyworth. And make sure you send in your feedback about how you think these episodes are going as well. Uh, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any thoughts you have or join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Yes, and of course, you can subscribe to support the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any podcast catcher of your choice. And you can also join us over on Patreon uh, at patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries mm-hmm. for one dollar. <laughs> yes you can yes you can thanks so much talk to you again next time yeah thanks so much fellow gothamites and governors for joining us it's as always a pleasure discussing pennyworth with you mm. uh speak to you soon absolutely by the end of the season there might be gothamites or by the end of the show they might be exactly. gothamites again i like it john i like it bye bye, bye.